following audio is from Connection Church, located in Brownstown, Michigan, a place where you can connect, worship, and serve. For more information about Connection, go to cconline.church. Now continue uh, by uh, reading our scripture that uh, we have from God's Word today. Uh, the scripture for us that will guide us for this service is from Second Timothy chapter 4. It says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, again, welcome uh, to Connection Church, and my name is uh, Andy. get to be one of the pastors here. Uh, We are wrapping up uh, a message series that we have entitled The The Journey Ahead. And the big idea of this message series is that uh, all of us, no matter who we are, uh, no matter if we believe in Jesus, if we've been a Christian for the majority of our life, God has us on a journey. And he's called us to, to a next step on that journey. And, and he's called us uh, to rely on certain promises, to rely on certain truths that he's given to us to kind of put in our backpack that we go on that journey. And, and this last week, we're going to be fo- focusing on a promise that he gives to us. But first, I want to I kind of give you this question uh, maybe some of you have had this experience when you're looking to start a new uh, like part of your life, a new, uh, new job, you're moving to a new place, you're beginning a new relationship, something new is happening. I think for many people, a common question that comes up for us is this, uh, will this be worth it? Like, will this decision, will this new thing that I'm embarking on, in the end, will it be worth it? And in the end, like, is everything going to be Okay. You know, for me making this change, for me going in this direction, whatever it is, big or small, how do I know that everything will be okay? For me, there was a time in my life when I was kind of early in my college uh, life. Uh, I was at a crossroads. Uh, I was at a a point in my life where I thought I knew the the track and career path that that I was going down, but but through a a number of events, a number of circumstances, I kind of realized, like, okay, like, I think I'm... I'm supposed to be going somewhere else, and I think I'm going to look at changing schools, changing like, my major completely. And I remember in that moment, I, I had the thought and through a lot of uh, conversations with people I trusted who knew me well and who were encouraging me down the path to look at uh, church work, to look at serving God in, in kind of this formal capacity in working in a church. I remember in that moment, one of the common questions that came to my mind is like, okay, this is a big change 
Uh, and I know you may not believe this, but getting into church work and pastoral ministry, you know, we don't make the big bucks. <laughs> We're not driving around. You know, we don't have all the fancy stuff. So it really was a question of like, okay, like, am I in this for not just providing like uh, uh, money for me, but am I in this to make this a career, to make this my passion? And is it going to be worth it? Are the years of schooling, the years of training, is it all going to be worth it? Will I be okay at the end of it? And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been in a spot where you've had that question come up in your mind and you wrestle with that decision. Well, for us, the promise that, that Jesus has for you today is this, that, that as we go on this journey of following him and whatever that next step is that he's calling you to, maybe it's something big, but maybe it's a small step, whatever it is, his promise is this, that everything will be okay. His promise to you is that everything will be okay. And we read this from, from 2 Timothy, the verses that we just heard a few moments ago. Uh, 2 Timothy was written by a pastor named Paul uh, who started a bunch of churches, uh, and he was one of the first kind of church planters in the Bible. And he was writing a letter, that's what 2 Timothy is, a letter to, to his uh, protege, to his apprentice uh, in the pastoral ministry named Timothy. He was a younger man, and, and we believe that, that Timothy actually came to faith, came to trust in Jesus through the ministry of Paul, through, through Paul's preaching and teaching, and through his relationship with that, is that Timothy became a Christian through Paul's work. And so Paul would regularly refer to Timothy as his, uh, his uh, son in the faith. You know, hey, I, through, through my ministry, God has worked in your life. And so there's an intimate relationship between Paul and Timothy. And Timothy was an apprentice pastor. He was sent by Paul to, to serve at some churches that Paul had started. And Timothy would always be kind of learning from Paul. And, and Paul would regularly send letters to him. And that's what this is. And this letter is also one written by Paul near the end of his life. So he's kind of saying like, hey, Timothy, I'm not going to be around for much longer, so I'm going to give you the most important things. I'm going to kind of put the exclamation point on everything I've been teaching, everything that I've been passing on to you. That's what this letter is. And so in this, we see that the, the promise that Paul wants to leave Timothy is this. Timothy, everything is going to be okay. And we know that for, for three things and that we're going to see in, our, in our, our scripture, in our text today. Three reasons why we know everything is going to be okay. We know everything is going to be okay when we remember our mission, when we remember our security, and when we remember our future. All right, so that's the outline for you type A thinkers. Let's dig in. So, picking up at verse 1, if you have Bibles on your phone, if you've got a hand Bible, feel free to follow along. You can whip out your phone and follow along with that. Uh, we encourage you uh, to do that. So we're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So here in these first couple verses, we get this kind of first principle that Paul is handing down to Timothy. And, and really what Paul is saying is this to Timothy, remember your mission. Remember the task in front of you. Remember your calling that you have been given. And for Timothy, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward mission. It's a pretty straightforward calling. He says this, preach the word. That was kind of code for like, hey, 
You've been called by God to be a pastor. You've been chosen by him to serve his people, to lead them, to preach his word to them, and to care for his, his people and his flock. So that's the mission, Timothy. Preach the word. Be the best pastor you can be. And you may hear that and be like, all right, that's cool for Timothy, and that's cool for all the pastors out there. Like, that's the mission. Uh, but here's the thing. There's a deeper principle that applies to all of us, because not all of us are Timothy. Not all of us are pastors. So is this mission only for pastors? And it's not. Because for all of us, God has, has given us, his church, his people, he's given us a mission. And that mission, to kind of put it uh, this way, is this, that, that for you as an individual and us as a, as a body of believers, as a church, we're called to, to join Jesus in this mission that he has to, to bring his hope, to bring his healing, to bring his, his restoration into every part of our life into every part of our community, into every part of the world. For us, that's the mission, both as individuals, as, as you as an individual and me as an individual, but also us collectively as a church. That's the mission. To put it another way, it's, it's for you and me to see all of the things that we have, the, the job we have, the position, the stature that we have, the relationships that, that God has given to us in our families, our friends, our coworkers to see our resources, all the gifts that God has given to us, to see all of our life as about serving Jesus' mission of, of bringing his healing, of bringing his hope, bringing his grace into the world. That's the mission. See, we as Christians, we, we believe and we teach this, that, that God is intimately involved and cares deeply about our world. He cares so much about our world that that, that he has come to, to restore it, because I think all of us can agree this world is not as it should be. It doesn't take long for us to realize, doesn't take too much time on the news for us to realize the fact that the world is broken and there's still evil and injustice around. But God has not abandoned it. No, he has, he has sought to redeem it, to, to restore it, to make it what it should be. And he began that by sending his own son into the world to live his life for us, to die on the cross and rise again from the dead. And here's what we believe, that through Jesus' resurrection, God has begun to recreate this world. And he started with Jesus. All of the pain, all of the evil, all of the injustice, he has begun to undo it, to reverse the evil that has happened. And he's begun with Jesus. And you and I, as, as his people, as his loved ones, we're invited to join him in bringing that, that grace, that healing, that restoration in everything that we do. That's what we believe. That's what our mission is. For us at, at Connection Church and at St. Paul, we kind of summarize it this way, and if you've been around, then you know it. Listen, we live to know Christ and to make Christ known. We live to, to know him, that he has come for us, that he died for us, and that he loves us. He loves you. And also we see that our lives, that our relationships, we use them to, to make his name known, to make his grace known, to expand his kingdom in this world so that we can begin to recreate this broken world beginning with Jesus. That's the mission. And that sounds all well and good, but I know this about me and I, I'm pretty sure this about you. The temptation for us is that we can compartmentalize the mission. That's the temptation for us. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, we as Americans, 
Uh, We love to kind of have different sections of our life kind of quartered off. We love to say, like, this is my social life, this is my work life, this is my family life, this is my faith life. And we love to kind of put them in boxes and to kind of section things off, to compartmentalize them. In other words, um, we love to live like waffles when God wants us to live like pancakes. All right? You guys have all had a waffle and a pancake, right? Tracking with me? When you get a waffle and you get some syrup, what do you do with it? You fill up like every single square with syrup, right? That is the only way to eat a waffle in the best way because that just maximizes the syrup intake. And so you fill up each little square of syrup. What happens with the pancake? Well, you just slather it on, and as soon as you pour it over the middle, it spreads out over all of it. There's no containing it. It just spreads and oozes over it. And why am I telling you that? Not just trying to improve your waffle-eating ability, but God does not call us to live like waffles. He doesn't say, listen, this faith, this mission that I've given you isn't just a little square that you fill up on Sunday morning, that you read the Bible every now and again. That's not what it's about. It's not just supposed to be quartered off and tucked away on a shelf. No, but, but this faith, this mission that I've given to you, it's to affect every aspect of your life. It's supposed to ooze over it like syrup on a pancake and take over all of the relationships and the way that you see the world, the way that you approach your job, the way that you approach your family and your neighborhood. It's affected, it's seen through the lens of this mission. That's how God invites us and calls us to live. Now I say all that, and you may say that's all great, but how does that, how does remembering the mission, knowing that God has invited us to join him in, in bringing hope and healing to this world, and it affects every part of our life, how does that remind us that everything is going to be okay? Because that's the promise that we're given. So how does this remembering our mission actually do that? Well, it does that because we remember who, the, who is the, the one giving us the mission. It reminds us because of the credibility of the one giving the mission. Now, have you ever had a bad boss? You can raise your hand if you want, unless your boss is sitting next to you. I know there's a couple. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like when you have a bad boss, and they tell you to do something, like, all right, here's the game plan, here's what we're going to do, and you're like, man, this guy, this gal, like they are an idiot, and this plan is not going to work at all, and you just, you have no faith in the, the mission. You have no faith in the plan giving forward. It doesn't instill in you hope or assurance. It's like you have Michael Scott from the office as your boss. It doesn't really fill you with hope. Here's the thing. Jesus is not a bad boss. Jesus is the one who's given us this mission. He is the God of everything. He, he created everything that we see and he is running this show. He's the most credible person to give us this mission. It's not some fad This mission that we have to to bring hope and healing and the message of Jesus to others, it's not a man-made religious mandate, but it's a mission given to us by the God of the universe who is at work in your life, in my life, and in our community right now. And that's the reason it gives us hope. That's the reason it gives us assurance because Jesus is the one giving us the mission. And so we know that even though it's hard and uncomfortable, that everything will be okay. So we remember the mission, but next we, we remember our security. So to, to stir up that encouragement, to grab a hold of the promise that everything is going to be okay, we also remember our security. We'll pick up in verse 6, 2 Timothy, verse, chapter 4. 
Starting in verse 6, Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So what's going on in these, te- in these verses? Here's what's going on. Paul is acknowledging that he knows that, that his death is, is coming soon. He knows that, that soon that, that he is not going to be in this world anymore, that he is going to die, and that he's going to pass away. He knows that that is, that is his soon future, that is coming up soon. And we see how he's facing it. And how do we see Paul facing his, his soon death, his imminent death? He, he's able to look back at his life and have this peace and contentment about him. You see, he's able to kind of look back at the landscape of his decisions and his life, and he's like, listen, I fought the good fight. I ran the race. And you get this sense of contentment as he looks back at his life. But also, you get this sense that he is at peace with his future. That he knows that, listen, death is, is soon, death is imminent for me, and yet there's a, there's a peace about him. He's not anxious, he's not worried about it. And that, this, this contentment he has about his past and his, his peace about his, his soon death, is like, it's astounding to me. Because I think if we were to look around and, and kind of acknowledge it in ourselves, but also in us as, as humans, two of the greatest kind of fears we have, two of the biggest struggles that we have are this. We, we are anxious, we are, we are fearful of, of our death, but we also, have, when we look back at our life, we, we oftentimes are filled with, with regret, with guilt, with shame. Those are struggles that we go through. You know, I was having a conversation with, with a woman who, whose husband had died, and, and she was in the room when he had his last breath. And I remember her telling me that it was just so strange for her to be with him. And then when she saw that he took his last breath, she just said, listen, it's just like 78 years of life. Just done. Over. And it just struck her at the, like, kind of, the finitude of it, the, the finality of it, and the, wow, like that's, it's real. And as I say that, I imagine that many of us, having listened to that and having kind of think about that, that, that doesn't really make us comfortable. That kind of, you know, we start to maybe squirm in our seats and there's something in us that's kind of churning and we're, we're filled with maybe worry or anxiety about that. And oftentimes when, when people do know that, hey, their, their time has come, they're the end is, is near for them. Their death is near. And they look back at their life. Oftentimes, when you hear people, they talk about the things that they're like, man, I wish I would have done. I wish that I would have made that decision instead of that decision. I wish that I did this instead of that. I missed these opportunities. It's filled with regret and shame and guilt. Those are two very common things that we as Americans, we struggle with. And that's what makes Paul's reaction so strange and so incredible. Because he's able to look at his, his, his coming death and say, I'm at peace. I'm not worried. I'm not churning up about it. I'm not anxious. But also he can look back at the landscape of his life and not be filled with regret and shame. And if you know anything about Paul's life, he did some really, really bad stuff. And he's able to look back at his life and be like, you know what? I'm not filled with regret and shame and guilt. 
Here's the question. How? How is he able to live like that? How is he able to engage his, his own coming death? And also, when he looks back at his life, how is he able to have that? And he did that because he remembered where his security came from. And firstly, his security that, that he wants us to find our security in is that it's in Jesus' resurrection. Our security, his security, our security is in Jesus' resurrection. Jesus said this in the Gospel of John. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though someone may die, he may live. He will live. Now, we hear that. If you've been in church and you're familiar with that passage, we kind of hear it and it goes kind of in one ear, out the other, and we're like, oh, that's a nice sentiment that Jesus is sharing. It's a good, powerful verse. But I want to tell you, that is an insane thing for a person to say. Like the weight of that statement. Jesus saying this, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. Though someone may die, if they trust in me, if they believe in me, they will live. That's an insane statement for a person to make unless he backs it up. Jesus is just some guy. That's a crazy statement. Unless he backs it up. And we believe that he did. We talk a lot about Jesus going to the cross and dying for our sins as we should. But we also, more importantly, and just as, just as important, we talk about him rising again from the dead because, because Jesus rose again. He not only conquered your sin on the cross, but he conquered death itself. When Jesus rose again from the dead, he put death to death. And now, the promise, the hope for you and for me is that all of us who trust in him, death will not be the final word. Your death will not be the the punctuation point on your sentence. No, resurrection will resurrection will be the end of your story, will be the the end and also the new beginning of your and my story. That's where our security comes from in Jesus' resurrection. But also, there's a second place that we find our security where Paul found his security and where you can find yours. And it's in your baptism. It's in your baptism. Martin Luther, uh, who was a pastor back in the 1500s, Uh, and a church reformer, he said this. This is probably my favorite Martin Luther quote. He said this. So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? I just love that. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. Friends, in your baptism, Jesus has said, listen, I love all people, but, but I want you to know that I love you. You individually, you specifically. I have claimed you as my own through this, these waters, and you will always be with me. All of the sin, all of the regret, all of the shame that you have committed and that you will commit, it is covered over by me washing you in the waters of your baptism. So now you can look at your life, past, present, and future, and you can know that God doesn't see you as a person that's like, well, you should have done this, you should have done that. He's not wagging at his, fi- his finger up from heaven at you. He rather looks at you and he sees you clothed, you washed in Jesus' life for you. When God looks at you through faith and in your baptism, God sees Jesus. He sees perfection in you. 
He doesn't see regret, doesn't see guilt or shame. He sees you as a loved child. And here's why that matters. When we grab a hold of that security that we have in Jesus' resurrection, death is not the end of our story, and we grab a hold of the promise that in our baptisms we are washed clean for all time, here's what that does. That gives us peace. We can look at our death and be like, okay, I'm not anxious about it because I know that's not the end of my story. I know that God will raise me up. And I can look at my past and I can look at my present and I'm not filled with shame or regret because I know that I have been washed in Jesus' name and he has claimed me as his own. And as you grab a hold of those promises, here's what it does. It reminds you that everything is going to be okay. Thirdly, though, lastly, Paul wants us to to remember our mission, to remember our security, and also remember our future. So, when I was um, in seminary, uh, in pastor school, uh, they have a year-long internship that we do. So we go, and kind of like Timothy with Paul, as we go to another pastor and another church, and we learn for a whole year kind of what the day-to-day uh, things about being a pastor are. Uh, just so you know, it, you know not, it, it, we, more, we work more than one hour a week. I know sometimes it may seem like it, but we actually do work outside of, of one hour on Sunday. And so we're learning the day-to-day operations of what it means to be a pastor. Uh, and when we were going, we were, uh, me and my wife Katie, we were sent and assigned to a church in Buffalo, New York uh, a few years ago. And before we went there, we knew we were going there. And so we planned out this big, long road trip uh, from St. Louis, Missouri, which is where we were going to school. Uh, and we went like down south and then up the eastern seaboard and then ended up in Buffalo. So we did a big, long road trip. And that road trip that we had planned, we knew about it a few months in advance, um, but that season of life, that last year uh, before our internship at seminary, uh, there were some rough things that were going on in our family's personal lives. Uh, there were just some hard uh, circumstances that came up and happened, uh, some, some suffering, some hardships. Uh, and also, that was just a really, really heavy workload of school. So I got to be honest, like, that was a super stressful uh, and super like, hard time in our life. And what we would do, though, is when we were faced with that hardship, when we were faced with that kind of hard times, we would remind each other, like, oh, man, we got that trip coming up. Like, we would remember, like, oh, yeah, we have these things planned in this city. We have that thing planned in that city. And we would remember the road trip that was coming in the future. We remembered the vacation that was coming in the future that we knew was coming but wasn't here yet. And, and here's what happened. Like, us remembering, oh, yeah, like, that's what we're going to do, it would, like, pull us through the hard times. It would remind us, like, we know that future day is coming. We know these good times are going to be happening where we can sit on the beach, have some drinks. We know that's coming. And it picked us up in the present through the hard times. And it helped pull us into the future. And why do I tell you that? I tell you that because that principle of, of remembering the future and having it pull you through the hard times is what Paul is talking about in this last verse. In verse 8, Paul says this, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What's Paul doing? He's saying this, Timothy, church, remember your future. 
Remember the future that God will bring about. And during the hard days, during the the rough times of life, when you're overwhelmed, remember the future. Fix your eyes there because it will pull you through the present. It will lift you up. It will remind you that that in the end, everything is going to be okay. But here's the thing. What's that ultimate Christian hope? Paul kind of alludes to it, but for many of us, we, we struggle with remembering what that is. Well, the ultimate Christian future, the future that, that will come when Jesus returns, is this, that he will make everything in this world as it should be. The mission that Jesus began at his resurrection, he will bring to a completion when he returns. Everything will be made to be as it should be. Here's what that means. Kale. It's going to taste like filet mignon. Michigan. Where's he going? And Michigan State, they will be at the same table and they will be reconciled. They will love one another. Brothers and sisters, families, they will be reunited. But more seriously, cancer won't be a thing. Uh, Death and, and tears will be gone. It will be a distant memory. All of those who who use their authority and their power to hurt others, that won't be anymore. All of the evils, all of the injustices that we see on a daily basis, they will be not only done away with, but they will be reversed. And there will be peace and grace and prosperity. That's the future that is coming. You know, when, when my wife and I, we, uh, we put our, our little one, our little daughter, uh, we have a bedtime routine, and we put her down for bed. One of the things we do is we read a children's Bible to her. And I love the way that the children's Bible phrases that future hope that we have. It says this, that when Jesus returns, everything sad will come untrue. Everything sad will come untrue. That's the hope we have. That's the future that we have. Let's remind ourselves of that future, and it will pull us through the hard times, through the hardships, through the sufferings. It will pull us through it and remind us that everything will be okay. Jesus makes that promise to you, and that may sound like a platitude, that everything is going to be okay. That may sound like a cheap statement. But here's what I want you to know. There is incredible freedom when you believe that. When you believe that, you know what, because of Jesus, everything will be okay. There is great freedom in that. Because the Christian life, the Christian journey, is really a lot like chess. And if you know anything about chess, you know the whole point of chess is this. It's to maneuver your pieces on the board so that the other person, no matter what they do, they can't win. And you can't lose. That's called checkmate. When you maneuver your pieces and you look at your opponent and you say, there is nothing you can do to win. There is nothing that you can do that would make me lose. I have you in checkmate. Friends, we as the the people of God, as the followers of Jesus, we have the world in checkmate. There is nothing, there is no one, there is no circumstance that could ever take away the victory that you have in Jesus Christ. 
you have the world in checkmate. You can't lose. So knowing that, what do we have to be afraid of? Let's pursue God with everything we have. My hope and my prayer for you is that whatever that next step is on this journey, that you take it, knowing that it may cost you something, but that in the end, everything will be okay. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Connection Church. We pray it was a blessing to you, and we hope to see you soon. For worship times and more information about Connection, go to cconline.church. Thank you.